Hi, I'm here with the Arcaspeak crew uh, at Construct 2018, Neil Pan, Cormac Phelan, and Evan Troxell. What are your first recollections of experiencing architecture? Uh, this is Neil. My first recollections of experiencing architecture likely go back to reading comic books and marveling at the backgrounds of the panels. The design of the cityscapes, rooms, and spaces that the superheroes inhabited influenced my thinking and experience of the world around me. Okay, Cormac. Wow, that was really well prepared. Well, right? well prepared. That's yeah. That's <laughs> what like I wrote on the plane coming almost down like here. Almost like a politician or something. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So senator, <laughs> councilman, okay. trying to. All right, this is Cormac. Um, so my first recollection was, and I, and I tell this story often, um, is sitting in the back seat of our um, VW, was it microbus or no, it was the Westphalia um, that we had. Uh, and um, this was when we still lived in Pontiac, Michigan. And the Pontiac Silverdome was under construction. And my dad just saw that I was like completely enamored with the cranes uh, building this thing and it was, something that for some reason stuck in my head as you know this really what and i just saw it just before it was demoed um went back to see the silverdome and this junky old building for some reason enamored me enough to want to pursue you know the profession um, i think it was also the origin of the first time i ever used a, a, a piece of profanity <laughs> <laughs> what did you say well, when we moved to when we remember, moved to, I don't have any editing. Yeah. When we <laughs> moved to Florida, I said, "Holy bleep!" Uh, oh, because I thought because it was Florida. No, no, no. When we moved to Florida, there was actually right in our neighborhood was there was under construction the uh, the shopping mall right next to ours, and, and we saw it, and it was I was just like, "Holy!" <laughs> and then my sister went home and told my dad, and I got in trouble. <laughs> Evan, what about you? My first recollection. So it was. I mean, there was lots of little things, but I think the first time that I ever felt what architecture could do, which is kind of what I thought of when I read your question, was uh, when I went to the National Holocaust Museum in D.C. First time, and I was probably, I was in architecture school when that happened. And because I went into architecture school from like an understanding that it was drafting, right? I had no clue what architecture school was. Yeah. When I, when yeah. I went from high school into... Um, college and so that was the first time where I went into a space and it like sat me down and made me think whoa this is this is amazing so I went to that um building on the eighth grade tour with my with my daughter yeah yeah and I mean it, it, there's there's some other amazing buildings in mm -hmm. DC like IM Pays you know the Museum of Art and it was similar but, yeah but that was the first one I went into on yeah. that trip and it was just like you know it's a place where they've set aside plots of land for great architecture specifically mm -hmm. and it showed yeah because it was powerful yeah so what are three classic buildings that you like and why and you know i say three you can say less than three because i think it's difficult for us to all you know architects to always pin it down to just one but i'll name yeah. three but okay I'll, and but they're all related so notre dame de haute in franchamp in france by the Corbusier and also his Villa Savoy, which I actually visited that building when I was in Paris or outside of Paris. And a third one, Casa Rotunda by Mario Boda, 
Um, all three of those, to me, exhibit a simplicity of architecture that really kind of, I don't know, it, it, it speaks to me. It, it, I, I understand it. The, the clean lines and broken, or the clean lines and there, there's, they can be broken with curves and different rhythm patterns with the windows, like mm -hmm. uh, uh, with Villa Savoy. It, it just, you know, I don't know. It, it's, it's very inspirational to me uh, in, in its simplicity and sophistication. And, mm -hmm. and it just, that it, it means a lot more to me than other buildings that, that don't have those sort of clean lines and simplicity to it. So those are three buildings and, and Casa Rotunda, I first discovered back right out of high school because it was a relatively new building at the time. And it just that to me, simplicity of the curves and then the straight lines intersecting just meant a lot to me. Yeah. That's three yeah. things that I, and I think they're all related. Okay. Cormac? So I'm going to steal one of Neil's, you know, the chapel at Ranchon, because mm -hmm. it was one that prior to architecture school, I got to actually ex experience and didn't really know, I mean, it was kind of feeding off of, you know, uh, Evan's earlier comment about it, it was the first one that you were like, oh, this feels like architecture. It is architecture. <laughs> Not knowing it was architecture, mm -hmm. you know, Sculpture capital A architecture, right? it, was, it was very iconic and amazing. Um, growing up in St. Pete, you know, I didn't have a lot of very good, St. Petersburg, Florida, I didn't really have a lot of very good examples of architecture. And honestly, so the next one will be kind of a, 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 ch a chump out because it's the campus of Cranbrook. Institute of Art and it was not necessarily one piece but it was the collection and how all of the buildings were arranged and the creation of the space and how it all interacted with it within the landscape mm -hmm. it created you know moments as well as these architectural elements and that was to me just kind of amazing and then another one which is kind of almost the polar opposite in the way it was arranged but it was arranged in a very Florida way but it was done by um, Frank Lloyd Wright. It's uh, Florida Southern uh, College. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever been there, ever seen it or ever looked it up, it, it's, it is perfect Frank Lloyd Wright buildings. And the, the thing that I loved about them is you know, one of the chapels on there, there's a couple of different chapels, but one of the chapels, it's such paper thin, um, like cantilevered concrete, um, like planes uh, that are making up the landings of the stairs. And you're just like, how, does he, how did he get away with doing that? It was, you know, so in that one just always, the, the whole campus, but, you know, certain buildings on the campus just always struck me as, oh, this is amazing that, you know, with just a little bit more creativity and kind of a lot of, probably a lot of ego and pushing towards the, the pushing the contractor, you can get a lot of really cool things. Yeah. <laughs> Which is really apparent in your work now, right? I mean, as far as the campus, for yeah. the two of your buildings were, are really campuses. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> two of mine were houses. <laughs> what I do. Uh, okay, Evan. I hadn't thought of it that I way. I don't know if I ever, I don't feel like I have a really great answer for, answer for this because when you say classic buildings, I guess what I... Define it your way. Yeah, define it my way. Yes. So, the, the first one that made, I, so this is super classic. This is not even a building necessarily, but when I was in college, we went on a Southwest road trip and we went to Chaco Canyon, which is ancient. Okay. Mm -hmm. Did you go um, with George then? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, George Proctor. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, Who I went to architecture school with. School with, yeah. right? And uh, what an uh, informative trip. I mean, it was just when we went to, when we drove into there, we camped there, you know, it's, 
20 degrees at night and it's you mm-hmm. feel, you you experience it and i think um you know climbing up on the cliff behind it and looking down on these massive pueblos with kivas and you know just yeah. the way that they took an intersection of everything that they did in their daily life is put into these spaces you know mm-hmm. because it's 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 a neighborhood it's a home it's a church it's everything it's trade um and i think that that was something where you know, we see cities now how they're just built on top of each other over time. It was the same thing then. I mean, it was a building, you know, in air quotes, but it, it was everything built up over time. And you can see the progression in the stonework mm-hmm. um, from the very early stone stacking technologies to the ones they transferred to later on. And I thought that was just so interesting. So uh, Chaco Canyon, I've been back once, took my wife there, and it was just as amazing the Mm -hmm. next time we went. I've never actually been there, but when I took a Native American studies class at Cal Poly and learned about all the different Native American tribes, I I did my project on Chaco Canyon, so I recreated the whole Chaco Canyon complex out of plasticine. Pueblo Bonito, yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So. That's super cool. I, I I just feel like so so. I don't know if that's classic or not. But, uh, the next one I guess would be. Um, it, it's hard to choose, but but let's go with Taliesin West. Okay. Um, Taliesin West maybe is one of the most campus-like, interesting. Yeah work home again it's kind of a conglomeration of everything in one place right it's a community dining hall there's the giant drafting room there's theater it's nestled into the landscape it was everything that was important to frank lloyd wright but Mm -hmm. it was also creating this thing that would lead well into the future Mm -hmm. that place is burned down three times you know and they've rebuilt it so (laughs) yeah it's an amazing thing yeah so so that was a it's kind of this creative process that they kept building on over the time you know they would think about and then build you know just build it yeah which is great (laughs) yeah exactly it's a it's always transforming it's evolutionary yeah Uh, so the last one I'll pick is close to where you live, Salk Institute. Uh, for me, total classic architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, amazingly organized space. Interesting thoughts behind why it's organized like that for scientific research. and uh, But the importance of, again, linking what they're doing on a day-to-day basis with their surroundings. Right? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's all about the place. Mm-hmm. that they made there it's not just a building on a site it's a pl- it's a place yes and it's an yes. important part of it so. yes yeah definitely um so what do you like about being an architect so we're getting another presidential alert apparently apparently <laughs> yes so um one of the things i like about being an architect it kind of goes back to something evan mentioned earlier about the holocaust museum is having the ability to affect other people's lives through the built environment. And that is a building that very much, not only in its architecture, but in its um, what's there affects you, is very powerful. I, I've visited there as myself. Um, but what I'm doing right now is currently working on affordable housing re- uh, rehabs. And what, what I get the chance to see is what I'm doing for these projects, I, I see these uh, the people that are living there prior to the buildings being redone, and then getting a chance to see them, their eyes light up. They're you know just being so excited about having a new home, essentially, yeah. and a new yeah. place to live. Um, is very gratifying as an architect. This is something that uh, I have done, 
and I have affected all of these people's lives because of it. And yeah. then on a smaller scale, just doing remodels for people or additions and seeing how that can transform the way they live their lives is a very powerful thing. And that is one of the things I think I most enjoy about being an architect. So last night I was at a live taping of another podcast and um, it just so happened that you know, it, was, it was filled with like-minded nerd people and stuff like that and um, what was interesting about it is that they were all ex you know they were all vets you know Mm -hmm. and um, so you know we are obviously bonded over our military experience and stuff we started talking and the guy was just like architecture is it worth it and I was like yeah absolutely and I explained to him why and I just told him based off of a story it's like you know I, I spent this project that was the better part of almost seven years of my life going through, you know, the project starting, then the project stopping, and everything else. And it was this elementary school. It was a old, dingy elementary school. And we, you know, once we got through designing it, I, I walked um, the librarian through, and it was, you know, she had this small windowless library before, and I gave her this, you know, this fantastic library afterwards but as we walked through and then I brought her to her space she started crying she goes I don't deserve this it was like and this is why I do this yeah. this is what I find rewarding about this profession yeah you know, is this yeah yeah so follow that up now I'm yeah. crying right now <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good story all right so I think uh, I could take a little bit of bo- what both of you guys just said and and weave it into a similar story uh, where the type of work that I do is very much a in service to a larger entity and audience, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, people who use the, it's schoolwork, right? It's, it's education, it's either K-12 or higher ed, and so it's affecting what I say is we do, we actually work for our clients' clients, right? Mm-hmm. So we're building spaces for kids or for students and trying to create the best space that we can, often uh, fighting against the administration in the middle of that, right? Who are looking for efficient, maintainable, the easiest day-to-day kind of operational kind of stuff, but still making in- inspiring spaces in spite of that fact yeah. for education. Yeah. And yeah. so I think one of the one of the reasons I do what I do is because I feel like I can, I can bridge the gap between those two worlds in a pretty good way. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing is when you get a client who comes back and says, I think I've said this on our show before, it's like, I've presented the, the campus to the to the superintendent, and they're just floored. How we would have never thought of that kind of quotes like that, right? Yeah. But then, yeah. I somebody asked him, "Hey, so how do you what do because we haven't shown the images to the public, mm-hmm. and the public is asking the superintendent, what's our new school going to look like? What's it going to be like?'" And he says, and I tell them with the most confidence mm-hmm. that it is the school you've always dreamed of. And to me, that, that's like what Cormac was saying. It's just like, yeah. okay, like, <laughs> yeah. mic drop. Yeah. Uh, that's why yeah. I, I do what I do. Because yeah. it makes it, like, in service to others, we get the most meaning out of what we do. Yeah. And we're yeah. transforming well people's dreams into reality. I mean, right. obviously, you know, exactly. the, that, they, that they can't see, you know, they, they don't know how to, uh, yeah to conceptualize the space but um but we do and that's how we make those dreams come into reality yeah okay we're gonna take a break <laughs> all right what would you like to say about the future of architecture 
Neil. All right. Um, I think the future of architecture is exciting. I think that new technology is allowing architects to explore ideas and different design options faster than ever, which hopefully will lead to better designs. However, I think architects need to be cautious of losing out to consultants and contractors um, and that same technology uh, that is encroaching ever more into the field of architecture, replacing the services that we provide. Cormac? Yeah, what he said. Mine's going to be probably a lot shorter, and it's um, embracing change. Don't be mm -hmm. afraid to embrace change. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a lot of shift, you know, um, there's a lot of shift with the way that, you know, we've got new kids coming in with the understanding of technology, and we've got, you know, the older generation who understands how to put together and design buildings, and we just need to get together, you know, talk about it. So it's, it's constant mentoring and constant changing, and don't be afraid of it. Mm -hmm. All right, my, my answer for this one has to do with, um, well, I'm incredibly excited about the future of architecture because it's, it's diverse. There's, there's jobs in the profession of architecture that didn't exist three or five years ago. You can be anything you want to be in architecture. You don't have to be the black cape designer and be the only one who gets recognition on a project. You can do so many things, whatever you're passionate about in the field of architecture. As long as you're passionate about architecture, I think there's a path for you. And I, and I also mean diversity in the, there's ethnic diversity, there's gender diversity, there's, there's so much diversity booming in architecture right now. And, and it's because of a lot of people's really hard work. Um, so I, I think that it's an incredibly exciting future. And I think if, if there's a, a big challenge um, based on the things that, that Neil and Cormac were just saying is that we have to define where the architect's value is. And that is something that we need to unify and present to the whole world. It's not just uh, the people that we work with, but it, it's to the public at large. We have to define what the value is. And I think it needs to align with what those people need. So people are building buildings and they're not doing it to, a, to uh, to employ us, right? People mm -hmm. don't build buildings to employ us. They build buildings for a reason. So how can we align with those reasons? And I think it's really important because we have so many, we have so many great ideas. I mean, I'll just put it out there. I mean, yeah. architects are just, you know, they're creative people that can come up with different solutions for many different problems. And it's just not even about architecture. I mean, it's just about, you know. Sometimes the answer is not a building. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 Or, you know, it's sometimes I'll go to a project and people, oh, I want to add all this space and say, you know what? You don't really need to add a lot of space. You just need to redo what space you have. And I mean, even just as simple as what we did when we walked into the to the room today and, you know, there was a podium up there and a table and we said, you know, this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. Like, let's do this, this better. Yeah, let's do it better. And, you know, and we designed our own. Studio. We designed. Yeah. yeah. And, and let me tell you, it looked a hundred times better it's than what was up there. Yeah. And, yes. And encouraging yes. of a conversation yeah. like, yes. rather than a presentation. Yes. In that regard. Yes. And that's what we do. We design spaces for certain, for certain things, for certain purposes, you know, and, and I, you know, I, I just thought that was kind of, that was, I just thought it was great because awesome. great. Yeah. yeah. So thank you so much for, for um, meeting with me today and doing the interview and I hope to see you guys later. Thank you. Yeah.
Thank you. And um, uh, make sure to listen to ArcaSpeak podcast, which is ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. ArcaSpeakPodcast.com. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> and it comes out what the first and third every two, two weeks. weeks. Every, every two, two weeks. weeks. Okay. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.